From international design firm Hassel, you are listening to Hassel Talks. I'm John Hazelwood. I'm a landscape architect, a writer and a gardener. And I'm joined by Sue Lim from experienced design firm Freestate. Hi, John. Welcome. We're here in Nam, Melbourne, on the lands of the Wurundjeri, Wairarung people of the Kulin Nation. And I want to pay my respects to the elders past and present and acknowledge Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as traditional custodians of the land where we live, work and learn. This episode, we're talking about spontaneity and specifically spontaneity in our cities, why it's a powerful force for bringing people together and how we design for it. So Sue, in your work, I guess you're, you're in, the, in the business of creating experiences. You design for many things, for the joy of collaboration, for movement. I imagine you have a really good sense of spontaneous uh, experiences, the ones you stumble across. What do you think spontaneity is? What does it mean in our cities? Yeah, it's an interesting question, John. Um, I think cities should be made with and for its residents. Um, So in some ways, you know, it's about handing over the reins to the community and not being too planned about things. And so when I think of spontaneity in cities, it's about allowing for the sort of organic or unexpected Um, or, you know, allowing for opportunities that might arise for a wide range of activities. Um, And it's flexible, you know, there's space for change um, in order to be sustainable and relevant. And I guess we'll come to the crux of uh, the the inherent conflict in that in terms around planning of cities, the word planning of a city or um, the curation of cities, I guess, inherit in that in that sentence is it's not spontaneous. It's in, so how we how we go through that curation or that planning of cities, and yet still allow spontaneity to occur occur on our streets that feels to be the the kind of crux of the the issue. Yeah, I mean, at Free State, we we think about um, you know the the term over enabling or over facilitating, and and I think that's what we need to do rather than over curating, if you like. Um, so, you know, perhaps one example of that is if you think about um, the development at King's Cross, which is a wonderful example of a, a, a city uh, regeneration. In, in London's, King's Cross yeah. in London, so that, yeah. yeah. That's right, King's Cross in London. Um, when they planned it, a third of the site was actually unresolved. Um, so, you know, whilst it was planned, it was also planned to have change built into it. Um, and that actually allowed for Central St Martins to come into the site, which wasn't originally planned. Um, and so this idea that, you know, you can leave space for new things to emerge, I think is really important when we think about city planning. Because from my understanding, some of those temporary um, activation pieces that were, were enabled at King's Cross, such as the, you know, the freshwater swimming, etc., and those things have actually they've actually changed how the development has been planned since then and the spontaneity of how they used those those devices. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's this idea that, you know, you can quickly prototype new things all of the time. Um, and I think cities that are over curated um, sort of push out the opportunity for those sorts of things, which, you know, can really make places really rich. As part of my work, as, as you know, so I'm interested in how um, 
the non-human respond to the city as well, that spontaneity of an insect and through bringing in biodiversity into cities. Um, but also that the effect of that on how it, it encourages people to respond to nature as well in the city. It's one of the few pieces of, of, of practice as a landscape architect where there's demonstrative um, evidence on what it does to your heart rate and what it does to uh, how you move through a city. You, you just look at the cherry blossoms in Japan and, 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 and the, that, the activation that comes through that is something that I'm, I am interested in, that, 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 that those natural elements of the city aren't in stasis, that they're, they're constantly changing and, and, and they're also sponta- spontaneous. So there's as much joy in seeing a bird land on a tree as there is bumping into a friend on a street corner. Yeah, I totally love that. You know, I mean, sometimes we we want those kind of efficient, seamless journeys, you know, where we want to get somewhere fast. But actually, I think, you know, increasingly we need to balance those kinds of journeys with the sort of open-ended meandering, you know. Um, I mean, that's really essential for creativity and thinking. And I think, you know, even during COVID, that was... Um, something that people really appreciated, you know, that that connection to their local communities, but the connection to nature, um, you know, was such a strong thing. Um, And I think people have sort of reconnected with that again, you know, um, even in this sort of post-pandemic world where I think people are realising that they need more green space, they need places in which to gather in nature. So, I mean, I love the idea that we need to design, you know, cities not just for people but for ants and birds and <laughs> That's everybody. And one of the key projects we're working on at the moment, the Melbourne Arts Precinct, is is a great example of that. That there there is a you know healthy debates within the design teams and the stakeholders, very much to what you you were talking about. Whether is it a space to go from A to B as quick as you can from one cultural facility to another cultural. Um, facility, or is it that space for meandering and slowing down and smelling the flowers? I think is the cliche. The other piece, I guess, moving away from the from nature and back to I guess in, uh, how humans interact with the city. Going back to the great Jane Jacobs in the U.S. and her her writings, her from her book in '61, she wrote that the trust of a city street is formed over time from many, many little sidewalk contacts. It grows out of people stopping by a bar for a beer, getting advice from the grocer or giving advice to the newsstand man, comparing opinions with other customers at the bakery and nodding hello to the two boys drinking pop on the stoop. Uh, Most of it is ostensibly utterly trivial, but the sum of it all is not trivial at all. That seems to be a kind of sum up the conversation we're having, I I felt. Yeah, that's really wonderful. Uh, I've been reading a bit of James Gibson lately who talks about the, you know, concept of affordances um, and I think that might be relevant here too, that the idea that a single sort of physical intervention can create lots of different opportunities, you know, um, that are created by a single setting. So the idea that you can kind of take something and make it your own um, and that, you know, what might have been designed for a single use might actually have enormous diversity um, and, you know, kind of freedom for change with the with the different sorts of audiences. And Sue, so you, you, um, I understand you were part of the M Pavilion event in Melbourne looking at the role of data and design, is that correct? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, we had Hannah Fox from Rising, which is a festival in Melbourne um, and it's all across the city. And Hannah shared a great example of a spontaneous experience during lockdown and how um, the absence of spontaneity really brought the idea of it into sharper focus. I think the loss of spontaneity uh, in, during the pandemic was one of the things I missed the most. Um, just that, you know, ability to not know what your day or night or week was necessarily going to entail. And um, one of the best things that happened to me in the last two years actually was walking along this river and um, I noticed uh, Deborah Cheatham, who's an incredible artist and opera singer, uh, in a boat um, on the river and she was doing a listening trip um, to for some research for a project that she was doing for Rising. Um, and I just flagged her down and we got in the boat and went on this little listening trip together. And it sparked a whole lot of ideas that became the foundation for the next program. But that was something that just most people weren't able to access, I guess, you know, in the last two years that just happening upon a person that you admire or a piece of work that you admire and being inspired by it. What Hannah's talking about there is, you know, we're missing that surprise and delight. Um, and, you know, when we don't have that, we, we don't have anything to come together around. Um, and actually there's this great story um, which happened at the Tanhill Inn in North Yorkshire where guests were all snowed in together and they were trapped for, you know, several nights and, of course, it was this terrible affair and, you know, uh, all of the travel plans were interrupted and all that sort of stuff. But because they couldn't go anywhere, the pub started putting on, you know, quizzes and games and karaoke um, and so the, all of these people, I think there were about 60-odd, uh, were basically forced to hang out together for three days. And so, of course, they made the most of it. Um, and what happened was they really came as strangers, you know, to this inn, but they left as friends and now there's talk of, you know, annual reunions. And so, you know, you can kind of see how this notion of serendipity, you know, something that wasn't anticipated, um, starts to turn into a whole new kind of community getting together. Um, and I think, um, you know, through lockdown, we didn't have those kinds of opportunities um, for those kinds of surprising, um, you know, occasions. The, I guess the, the flip to that through through the, the experience of the past two years is the amount of anecdotal evidence that has been around um the, the the attraction to to the open spaces of our cities as well, um, and so I, if you take again harking back to, to to the work of Jane Jacobs, that she obviously made the comment that people like to observe people. There's a passiveness to spontaneity as well as the there's the observate there's the there is the physical bringing together of people, and and those moments that that, that Hannah talked about. But there's also the the passive side of that of, that was missing the, the ability to to observe people uh, uh, going about daily business. You know that there's something you know just sat in a park. Um, and then the flip side of that obviously was there was actually from a non-human's perspective more 
spontaneity happening as well because there's you know there's tales of, of goats appearing in, in, in city centers in the UK and, and, and those sort of things the the that observation of people brings me to um, I thought it's worth touching on on a city such as Shanghai you know it's a city as, as, as Hassler we work in and I, I one of the my great regrets of the pandemic is not being able to to, to visit our friends over in Shanghai and um, it's a city I've enjoyed spending time on it. And I don't think there is anywhere else I've experienced spontaneity in public spaces in the way it happens in Shanghai. You know, we, we did some, um, we did some amazing research over there where our, our staff went into parks and open space and spoke to the users of the space and asked what it was that that they enjoyed it, and so much it was about observation, that kind of passive uh, spontaneity. There was a wonderful quote from Mr. Ji Zonghu, who was, who was a user of one of the parks in Shanghai. His, his quote was, at home, my wife complains about this and that about me, but when we're in the park, there's many, so many things to see, she doesn't nag at me anymore. That was his experience of spontaneity. I was wondering if you. Um, um, I, I was wondering if you could speak about your observations in, of, of Shanghai and, and 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 life in there, in that that amazing metropolis. Yeah, well, it's such a, a city of um, diverse contrasts, isn't it? You know, you've got the kind of old and new, the tr- very traditional, um, as well as that crazy futuristic, you know, blend of east and west. Um, and it's, you know, it's kind of open 24 hours. So, so you're right, there's always something to see, something happening or going on um, that is really kind of contrasting, you know, with with perhaps what you've just been through. Um, so, I, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's a wonderful, a wonderful place for people watching and, um, and discovering new things. And it's it's amazing as we see it as a city. It's just beginning to emerge from lockdowns now. Um, uh, for Hassel, with our studio there, we've been you know we're really excited to to watch our colleagues being able to experience the city again. We actually asked our colleague, um, urban designer Chong Wang, about the presence of spontaneity in the daily life of Shanghai. What I really love about living in Shanghai is that you don't need to plan for your days or weekends. You just bump into different people and activity when you move through the city. I've got drawn into playing Diablo for hours when wandering at the waterfront or um, just the pop-up events always happening around the city like cloning parades, squirt dancing, kids roller skating. Being in a, in a big city like Shanghai, I think what is attracting us to, to stay was that um, stimulation. You could just go onto the street, you can go into the city, and then there things are happening. The excitement and then the encounter to different things and to some unexpected events and moments and people are so important to keep the level of creativity and because, as I say, it's so inviting and it's, it, it doesn't need much um, effort to be part of, and then that encourages us contributing and participating and to be part of the, 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 the events itself and to be part of the place and to be part of the presence. Yeah, I, th- I think that there's a beauty to it.
that's been missed in during the lockdown stage that we would like to be onto the street to go into the parks to um to again participate I love Chung's point there about the, the being the ability to, to go back into the streets and the park. I mean, I cannot imagine how those parks and those spaces were during the lockdown. I, I know my favorite activity in the time I spend in Shanghai is getting up early in the morning and heading out and just sitting on a park bench and watching huge crowds of people dancing or exercise. It just it, it, It's a way of using a park spontaneously that, that just doesn't happen. Um, here in, in, in our Australian parks, I don't feel, and, and, and the same uh, in the UK. It's quite unique. Yeah, I think, I think there is that need to create opportunities for those things to happen, you know. Um, it's designing our cities so that they allow for activities and activations to occur, that the place um, is always programmable um, so that people can kind of take it over. Uh, and and take it on um, with whatever they want to do with it. Where do you see the hand of the designer in something in, in, in those kind of experiences we're, we're, we're talking about? Obviously, spontaneity is a powerful thing. And, and as I mentioned at the beginning, there's a conflict between the um, allowing it to happen and, and the curation of it to happen. I, I guess as designers, we, 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 um, we don't feel it can be left up to chance. Yeah, I think we need to create opportunities for, you know, what we talk about as being collision and that isn't, you know, necessarily kind of in the violent sense but something that allows for a talking point, allows for, um, you know, specific attraction between people or perhaps between people and nature, um, you know, places in which, uh, interest can arise, I suppose, you know. Um, I think when we we think about um, levels of sort of uh, efficiency, you know, we, we often think to design out friction um, in our cities, but actually we need that chance of error, you know. We need the ingredients of adventure um, and I think those things are important to consider as we're designing. At risk of banging on about COVID, and I don't want to keep on dwelling on COVID, but it has been an extraordinary time. And it's, as we've talked about, it, it is intrinsically linked to spontaneity within our cities. But a key part of this and, and, and what we're, we're interested in as, as an immediate change is how we bring this idea of togetherness within our cities. I mean, you can see already uh, with festivals such as Rising in Melbourne or Vivid in Sydney in Australia, um, the, the mad rush of everybody desperate to, 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 to attend uh, a, a, you know, and experience these. In Europe, it's the mad rush to, to holiday, uh, heading back, back to the Mediterranean. Um, and that's great in terms of that that's relates to spontaneity around activation and curation and city planning. But so I was, I was interested around how more permanent uh, institutions, galleries, or even retail could be, um, have what, what value they can bring in terms of bringing spontaneity into our cities. So one is kind of um, the concept of hyperburgers. So um, developed by a woman called Francesca Tembusi, um, which is actually kind of an inconvenience store. So it's sort of 
um, riles against, you know, the, the speed and efficiency of Amazon Go, which of course is touchless. I don't need to talk to anyone. Um, and Hyperburgers is a store that's designed to serve communities, not not the business, if you like. And it's a, a supermarket entirely run by the consumers. So there's no middleman. People um, pay each other directly. But to participate, they have to give something back. So they either have to, you know, bring food or donate their time or maybe packaging. And so through this kind of network, um, it becomes a community resource as opposed to a commercial business. So that's one example. Um, a second, which is also kind of to do to with the supermarket, is um, the Dutch supermarket chain Jumbo has these dedicated chat lanes for people who actually want to chat to the cashier, and it's it's part of this program to reduce loneliness in communities. Um, and so, you know, if you actually want to go to the supermarket and you haven't spoken to anyone and you want to have a good old chat, you line up in a chat lane and everybody realises that there's no speed going on there. You know, it's 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 a slow lane for conversation whilst you're, you know, buying your groceries. Um, and, and I think, you know, these are things that are that, you know, really speak to to what people need as opposed to what businesses need. At Hassel, we're currently thinking about togetherness, uh, togetherness in our cities. And um, what's the outcome of that? There's obviously there's the, there's the designed outcome, there's the hardware that's involved in it. But what, what actually happens? What, what, what is the outcome from, from that word togetherness in the city? When people come together, um, we can create great adventures. Um, and then in turn, that, that manifests in memory and I think as we, you know, as we know, memory is a really powerful thing. It's the thing that creates that sense of belonging. Um, it's the thing that wants you to return and wants you to experience that time and time again. And I think when that starts to happen, then we can, we can almost move outside ourselves. You know, we can learn something new. We can be exposed to different ideas and different people and in turn, you know, at the most aspirational, perhaps it's transformation. I think, yeah, that, that idea of uh, that the outcome of togetherness is memories, I don't think I can beat that, Sue. I think you've, you've summed it up. Thanks, Sue, for the, for the conversation. I think it's, uh, it's, it's, it's not something we, we talk enough about when, when we're sat down in our day-to-day jobs of, of designing how our cities are evolving. And I know it's something, obviously, it's close to, to Free State's heart. In, 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 in the way you work and design. But the potential for change through sponta- spontaneity at the moment is just, you know, it's immeasurable. Uh, people talk about that changing of, of moments, those instances of enlightenment when understanding is deepened and our perspectives are changed. And, and, I, and you, you said it right at the very end there about it's all about memories um, and that chance uh, moment to connect people in new ways to the, to the past and the future, but also the present as well, I think that, that's, um, that's so important. So thank you for the conversation. Also thanks to Hannah Fox and the M Pavilion team for the use of Hannah's clip about spontaneity uh, and to my colleague Chong Wang in Shanghai and Su Lim from Free State, of course. Free State have a terrific podcast series you should be checking out called Free Thinking. 
meeting the people leading the charge on resetting our cities all around the world. And again, of course, thank you to you, our listeners. This episode was produced by Prue Vincent, Verity Magdaleno and Joe Richardson. Thank you.